Let's pray and then we'll start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. And we thank that you, you, that you have condescended to teach us and speak in ways that we can understand, guide our hearts and our minds as we consider what it means to fear you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we considered what it means to fear man, um, how this struggle permeates our lives and our culture, who fears man, why we fear man, and how the scripture speaks about the fear of man. And we fear and that we fear man because we do not fear God or we do not fear God enough. So today we're going to look at what the fear of God is. And we're going to start by looking at scripture to define the fear of God. And then we'll ask why we should fear him, why we don't, what it looks like to fear him, and last, how we can begin to walk in the fear of the Lord. So first, what does it mean to fear God? Well, fear of God, when we think about fear of God, it can be very, seem very counterintuitive. We know why some people should fear God. For example, Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We know why some people should fear him, but what about Christians? Um, what does that mean? What does, it, what does it mean to fear a God who loves us? Because as Christians, our, our relationship with him has changed. What does it mean? Before we get there, though, let me sort of block out a, a, maybe an easy escape hatch from this dilemma. You might think that, you know, well, if God is love, then to fear him just simply means to revere him. And we can redefine the word fear um, in the fear of God passages to something like just reverence him, hold him in awe. But while some passages might lend themselves to that kind of a reading of fear, many Many won't. For example, in Romans 11, Paul warns the Gentiles against presuming their inclusion in God's family tree. And so do not become proud, he, said, he says, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, that is the Jews who did not believe, neither will he spare you. And that's, that's more, I think, than just reverence. They're told to fear lest they become too proud. Second, I worry that if we solve the fear of God problem too quickly and just sort of really soften it, we, we miss out on some of the terror of God and thus his power, the wrath of God and his justice and mercy, and the awe-inducing holiness of God and his, his majesty. God is to be feared, and there's good reason the Bible uses fear instead of just reverence or awe. And so sometimes they're synonymous, but oftentimes they're not. And that's what we're going to consider this morning. So what does it mean to fear God then? For starters, I think when we talk about the fear of God, 
like scripture does, we need to hold two things together. The fear of God and the love of God. Okay? And there is a holy fear that should well up in, inside us when we realize that an almighty God has chosen our lives as a canvas for his glory. And so Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The fact that this almighty God is busy in our lives and we are not in control is comforting on one hand, but it is something to tremble at on the other. The second idea comes from uh, Nehemiah 1, verse 11. It says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. So now we see that with this fear, there is a delight in fearing his name. It is delightful. It is delightful. So not only is the fear of God not in conflict with God being for us. We fear even though he's for us. We, we see that it is not in conflict with our joy, our joy either. Right? So the fear of God is, does not preempt joy. So let's just hit on three other passages and then we're, I'll, we'll pull this together. Proverbs 28 Verse 14 says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So very often in biblical poetry, one line helps interpret the other. And so in this case, the fears the Lord is opposite of hardens his heart, which tells us that the fear includes this component of submission. Or Psalm 31, verse 19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. So we see here that part of fearing God is taking refuge in him. There's a submission. There's a taking refuge in God. And Psalm 147, 11 says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. So now we see that fearing God isn't just making God our refuge, but making him our, our hope. So we see that this fear of God is not this austere thing that, that makes us cranky and unjoyful. It very much is a fear that we can enter into for our spiritual good, and we need to. John Piper wrote uh, a book called The Pleasures of God, and in it he notes how strange it sounds that we should fear and hope in God at the same time. And he describes a mountain climber frantically seeking a shelter during a deadly storm. And his pulse races and the adrenaline is flowing and he's actually terrified. And then he finds 
a hole in the cliff and realize that he's going to be safe. But, but being safe from the storm, he can still tremble at its power and its awfulness. Okay? He's, he writes this in his book. We should let the experience of hope penetrate and transform the experience of fear. In other words, the kind of fear that we should have toward God is whatever is left of fear when we have a sure hope in the midst of it. The fear of God is what's left of the storm when you have a safe place to watch right in the middle of it. And in that place of refuge, we say, this is amazing. This is terrible. This is incredible power. Oh, the thrill of being here in the center of the awful power of God, yet protected by God himself. And so we get an idea of how we feel both hope and fear at the same time, he writes. Hope turns fear into a trembling and peaceful wonder, and fear takes everything trivial out of hope and makes it earnest and profound. The terrors of God make the pleasures of his people intense. So we don't want to just soften this, this fear of God and, and change the meaning. He is terrible to behold, but we are safe. So a definition you'll see in your handout then that tries to capture all of this is that fear of God is reverent submission that leads to obedient trust and worship. But even that doesn't really quite capture the feeling, the feeling of the fear of God. After all, the fear of God is better described than probably defined, isn't it? Better to read the final chapters of Job or, the, or Revelation and then turn and marvel, marvel that this awesome and holy God calls himself our Father. C.S. Lewis wrote in uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, one of my favorite um, conversations, I think, in his books. And uh, in Narnia, the children meet a pair of beavers who describe Aslan to them. Mr. Beaver tells Susan, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. And Susan asks, well, is he quite safe? I shall feel, feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And Mrs. Beaver responds, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without his knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Well, then he isn't safe? asked Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And 
we know that we are safe in, in Christ. So what Lewis is, is talking about when, 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 he, when, Lewis, when Mr. Beaver says he isn't safe is that this lion is not a tame kitten. It's not a, he's not a tame kitten, but those who follow him can trust in his goodness. None of God's awesome terribleness is reduced. And so our pleasure is heightened that such a powerful, terrible being is for us and loves us. When I, mean, when I say terrible, I don't mean bad. <laughs> like, that's a terrible thing to do. I mean, I mean in terror. Like, he's terrible in his, in his power and his majesty. So it's no surprise, then, that the fear of God is commanded, actually, for everyone. In Psalm 33, verse 8, it says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. So then why should we fear God? If that's what it means to fear God, something we should all do, why? Why should we do it? And there's three categories in, in thinking about this question, why should we fear God? The first category is that as image bearers of the one true God, we are designed to fear God. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 to 27 says, and then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now this passage doesn't explicitly say fear God. But but being made in God's image, we then have a submission to God that results in our outworking in service and under that submission to God. So he made us in his image and then he gave us work to do. And so... Even, so we see that even just in being created in his image, we were designed to be even under his authority as, as workers, under his authority, then who then went and subdued the earth. That's the first category. Second, he is worthy of our fear. He's worthy of our obedience and worship. Psalm 89, verse 7 says, Who among the heavenly being is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. And Psalm 90, verse 11, Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So we fear God because he is awesome. We fear him especially because he is awesome in his wrath and his terror. And again, I don't mean terrible, but... Now that might lead to another question. If I've been saved from God's wrath, why should I fear his wrath? 
Well, a good example is in Hebrews, the end of Hebrews 12, where it says, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Now here's the reason. So we have an unshakable kingdom. We worship him with reverence and awe. Why? Because our God is a consuming fire. He's terrible. He's He's not something to be, someone to be trifled with or reduced. You can't tame him and put him in your back pocket. He is a consuming fire. He's worthy of our fear. And that both spurs us to worship and protects us from wandering. Right? And again, God is worthy of our fear even when he has promised us mercy. which gets us to our last category. We fear God because it's good for us to fear God. It's good for us. Some quick verses here. Psalm 111 um, and Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Psalm 115 verse 11 says, He is a help and a shield to those who fear him. In Psalm 115, 13, he will bless those who fear him. And um, if you flip to the inside of your handout, you'll see many more verses about these blessings that come when we fear God. And I encourage you to meditate on a few of, of them, but for interest of time, I will leave that for you. So we, it is good for us to fear God. He is worthy of our fear, and we are created in his image to fear him. We have every reason in the world to fear God, but of course, we often don't, do we not? We often don't. And, and why not? Why is it that if we were created to fear God, if he is fearful, if he is awesome, if he is, um, he, calls us, he, he calls us his children, he's our father, but when we consider who our father is, he's not just a doting grandfather who's just wanted to give out blessings and he's a bit of a pushover, which can be, can, we can emphasize that part of his mercy and grace, but whoa, this is God who is our father. There's the fear and trembling. Why don't we fear him like we should? Well, the fear of God is lost. And in short, we don't fear God because of our choices as the human race to sin. As Paul says in Romans 1.23, we exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. And how easy is it to relegate that verse to unbelievers? Oh, the unbelievers do that. We do it too. We do it too because we still have sin that would, that would exchange the glory of God for things that we see and can touch and can directly experience. We do it too. We're just saved by grace. And now our lives aren't oriented around him, you see. They're oriented around the things that he's made. Well, after Adam and Eve sinned, 
They went into hiding. Why did they go into hiding? Well, because they were ashamed in God's presence. Uh, and, and now they and we have discovered that we've got plenty to hide. And they are afraid of being exposed to each other and before God. And, and when we do sin, and we know we're sinning, and if we keep on sinning, it is so hard to come into God's presence because the light will shine on you, and you will be exposed. You will be exposed. And it's an uncomfortable thing. See, now Adam and Eve are alienated from each other. And instead of giving life, the image bearers turn on each other, as we see in the very first act of murder when Cain kills his brother Abel. But I want us to see this fall, the fall of man, for the cataclysmic event in Scripture that it is. It changes everything. These creatures, designed to fear and worship God properly, are now naked and exposed. They are living, but they're spiritually dead. They are human, and yet have damaged a key piece of what it means to be human. Fear of man comes because of sin. And that's a crucial point for us not to miss. Because so often we treat the symptoms of the fear of man as if that's the problem. Okay? We choose to reject the fear of God, which means that we have now inherited the fear of man. The problem isn't in managing those symptoms and how to relate to man. The problem is actually inside us, not outside of us, ultimately. And yet, point four on your handout, as tragic as this is, there's a savior. There's a savior. The problem is inside of us, and the solution is outside of us in Christ. Jesus feared God perfectly. He did for us what we were created to do. And just as in Adam all sinned, so in Christ, for those who repent and believe, we are made righteous. So before we move on, I want to talk together for a bit about this idea that we lose the fear of God because of our sin. What can happen when we begin to forget this truth that fear of man came because of our choice to sin? Does anyone have an idea? What can happen when, when we forget that, that it is because of our sin that we fear man? Any ideas? No one wants to talk. You say, I don't know what I want to say. Well, what we do then is we manage the problem. We manage the problem. We manage our fear of men. We try to bolster ourselves up so that we can face men. We say, next time I'm going to, to just be brave. We try to psych ourselves up for, for um, the challenge. But that's all surface issue stuff. It's helpful maybe, but it can only go so far. The problem is in us, 
and we need to be on our knees asking God to forgive us and grow us and change us deep down, deep down with a reverential fear so that we're not just managing a problem. So we've defined the fear of God. We asked why we should fear him and why we don't. And as we wrap up today's class, we want to ask, what does the fear of God look like? And that's point five in your handout. One thing we see in scripture, scripture are descriptions of the fear of God in action. And I'm not going to read them all now. Um, but, and, but you can probably think of many people in the Bible who have feared God. Have feared God. The fear of God works itself out in the lives of people. And you'll find examples, as I've said. So how do we grow in the fear of the Lord? And on the, this is on the back of your handout. How do we grow in this? Well, only a greater fear, only a greater fear will drive out a lesser fear. Only a greater fear will drive out a lesser fear. And that is why I said we don't want to be management, we don't want to manage the, the, the problem. We've got to go deep down and, and, and get our, the depths of our heart um, fearing the Lord properly. And we don't do it, the Lord does it, right? So we don't want to just be surface people as we deal with this issue. Only a greater fear will drive out a lesser fear. So our main concern should not be finding solutions to our fear of man, but instead seeking after a deeper fear of the Lord. And if you leave this class feeling controlled by what other people think, but with no greater fear of God, then I fear you've missed the point of this class. Okay. Our goal is not simply to escape the fear of man, but to fear God. So how do we grow in this fear? One, we've got to learn about who the Bible teaches that God is. And we don't want to shy away from those passages that describe his justice, his wrath, his power, his anger against sin. Sometimes as Christians, we can focus mainly on trying to reconcile those passages with God's love, which is a good thing. But if that's all we do, we lose a powerful thrust of the Bible that helps us grow in the fear of the Lord. We need those terrible passages. We need those warnings. We need them. Or, very often, our God in our minds, because we are idle factories and can change who God is in our minds, and we, he can become soft. He can become soft, right? Our God, remember, is a consuming fire. This is our Father. And so the God of the Bible is revealed as holy, majestic, sovereign, omnipotent, that's all-powerful, omniscient, that's all-knowing, and omnipresent everywhere, always present, but merciful, kind, faithful, loving, jealous, just, and wrathful. If you want a really good book on, on who God is, um, Knowing God by J.I. Packer is one, and The Pleasures of God by John Piper. If you really in, 
internalize that and, and soak that in, you will have a really well-rounded view of who God is, not in, in his eyes, and who he says he is, and how he sees himself. Along those lines, we need to observe God's goodness in the Bible and in our life. As you'll recall from the beginning of our class today, fear of God for the Christian is not simply fear of the storm, but fear of the storm when you know you're safe. The more you're overwhelmed by both God's terror, again, not terrible, terror. We, we, need, we need to recover that, don't we, <laughs> a little bit? God is, he's terrible in the proper sense of the word. When you are overwhelmed by both God's terror and by his goodness, and remember we said we've got to hold those together, otherwise we're just fearful, and if we don't remember that he's terrible, we're, he's, he's soft. <laughs> he's not the God that, that we lose our fear. Hold them together, and you can fear him rightly. If you do not see God as good and loving, only a God of terror, you will not flee to him, but you will flee from him. Number three, we don't want to run away from our own sin. And instead of minimizing our sin, becoming defensive, deciding to just forget it and move on, we need to honestly confess our sin before God, knowing that he hates sin. It is because of sin that his wrath is coming and this world will be judged, that many people will be, spend an eternity in hell. That's a terrible God. We don't want to minimize, ever minimize sin, but realize that he's our refuge and he's provided a way out. He's provided the way out. We, you know, if anyone knows what it takes to have his wrath dealt with, it's the one who's wrathful, isn't it? God is the one that came up with the plan. He's also the one who's wrathful towards sin. Well, surely he knows what he's doing. <laughs> but he can trust his plan in Christ. And we need to, number four, we need to repent of pride. And I can't say this enough, our pride goes deeper than any of us could imagine. It's rooted in the very fabric of who we are as rebels against God. And you might think, well, once I rebelled against God, maybe I don't anymore, but you know what? We still want to run our own ship, don't we? We, 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 still, we still have remnants of that. You know, one of the ways to see the Christian, I think the most important way to see the Christian, like, are we saints or are we sinners? There's a question for you. What, what, is, what is the proper view? Well, we're not sinners because God sees the sin as being dealt with. That's not our identity. In Christ, that's not our identity. But... We are saints, and the Bible uses that word predominantly when describing Christians, saints. But we are saints who still sin. Our identity is a saint, not a sinner anymore, because we've, that's been changed. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, so our identity is a saint. But we all know that there's remaining sin, don't we? 
and it's still rebellious. Even if our identity has changed, it is still rebellious. All sin is rebellious. And we, so we need to repent of our pride. We are rebellious <laughs> in our heart. And we need to humble ourselves before this God, knowing that we do the things that, for which his wrath is coming, like I said, but also knowing that we are safe in him through Christ. So to wrap this up, to fear God is to reverentially submit to him in such a way that leads to obedience and worship. It is to happily and joyfully obey him, and to fear God is the beginning of wisdom. God alone can bear the weight of your deepest longings, and he alone can receive the worship you were created to give. So let us pray and seek to grow in the fear of God. And again, because if we don't replace the fear of man with a greater fear, um, we're, we're just, we won't, we won't win this battle against the fear of man. Any questions or thoughts as we wrap up? No, it's not new. It's really easy for the church to fall away for that fear of man. Oh, absolutely. That's where you see, you know, all these winsome churches and seeker sensitive churches, and it just waters down. Yes. Yes. The power of the gospel, right? Yes. Yes, it does. And God becomes soft, <laughs> right? Because you make these accommodations. So, so the point is that it's nothing new, even back as far as Hosea. Well, even Peter, like, terrified of a servant girl falling away, denying. Uh, Peter, who was uh, compromising with the Judaizers, Judaizers over um, Jewish tradition. It's, there is, it, it's not, it's not something, even the greatest who, you know, in the Bible have struggled with that kind of idea. We're, we're not, we're in good company. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Right. But 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 that's the point because we don't want to, in our safety, say that the storm isn't real or that it's not powerful or yeah. that it's not terrible. Right, and, and we can, in, in, in feeling uh, the, his mercy, his grace, his love, that he's a father, we're his children, and this is just one happy big thing, and we forget that who our father is. Mm. The people in Bermuda are actually mostly Christian, yeah. and I almost wonder, because they go through this often, yeah. Wow, it's good. You gotta get you gotta get the context. There there is um, when we say we fear God, we fear God from a position of safety in Him. We see His powerfulness. We see that He's not to be trifled with. Uh, there is it's it's like having a um, tiger on the end of your leash instead of a kitten, right? Not that we have a leash on God, but but that it's, it's we don't tame Him. Now. In the safety, we do not have to be scared that his wrath is directed toward us. We don't have to fear God in the sense that we fear he's going to. Because his love is perfect. He loves us perfectly. He's, he's dealt with our sin perfectly. He's shown us perfect mercy and wisdom. So in that context, we're not feeling that he's going to come down heavy on us. It's that safety while we observe his power. So we have to look at the context, and then that thing is not that reverential fear of God there, but it's, we don't have to be scared that, that well, I missed out. Like, he's gonna forgive other people, but my faith doesn't count. Right? All right, well, let's wrap up, and then you can visit. If you have questions, you can come and see me. Um, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the reminder that you are holy and awesome and terrible and um, that you are beyond our, our comprehension in terms of your power, um, your holiness. Forgive us for the many ways that we reduce you in our minds um, and in, in so doing, reduce our, our fear and awe of you. Um, I pray, Lord, that you help us to fear you rightly, but always, always with your goodness held in the other hand and your love and your safety, and that we may wonder that such a being as you would call us your children. Um, 
It's a marvelous thing, Lord. And we pray that you will impress it on our hearts, even as we leave here, worship, and go through our weeks. We pray in your name. Amen.